Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, seated here in the luxurious corner booth. Tom, it's so good to have you back. Wonderful. Well, I'm glad you're so excited. You don't sound very One excited. One word. That's all there is to it. You that don't sums be, it up. You I'm, don't want to be here? I always want to be here. Thanks for having me back. Well, Tom, we've got a great show today. As always. And we are going to hearken back to our younger days. Oh, boy. That back could when be... you had a little more hair right in the back of your head, that little spot that's kind of clearing <laughs> yeah. out back there. You know what? They yeah. know me. We are talking about the youth today, our youth and youth ministry and yes. youth in our churches. Good topic. It's a great topic, and we have a great guy here to discuss it with us. Excellent. We have uh, Derek Roddy. Uh, Derek is a youth minister at a local parish here. And uh, Derek, welcome to the luxurious corner booth at the Catholic Cafe. Thank you for having me. Well, it's great to have you here. And, you know, Derek, whenever we talk to folks, we like to know kind of who they are, where they come from, and, and why they're here. So give me an idea of where you where you come from. Well, would you like the long version or the short version? <laughs> well, we only have like, what, three or four hours today, so let's just do the short do version. Okay. Um, I am not originally from Memphis, but uh, I moved here about a dozen years ago, and I finished up my undergraduate degree and my graduate, uh, my master's degree in the, at the University of Memphis, and... Um, at the beginning of my graduate school career, I was on a search for truth. I had uh, spent four years previously in the college fraternity guy lifestyle, and very quickly... Tom, I think you might actually have a little history there, huh? Just a little bit of history there. Just a little, and I think a lot of our listeners have probably been in that boat, especially our male listeners, obviously, who've maybe been in the uh Was the there not an attorney out there that would take you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about me. Oh, okay. That's right. I'm sorry, sorry Derek. So let's carry on. Please give <laughs> us a, a little. That's okay. So you obviously spent some time in fraternities and whatnot. I did. And and probably, while there are a lot of wonderful fraternities out there, you probably maybe spent a little too much time doing some of the uh, other that's extracurricular right. the, the activities. extracurricular activities became the norm in my life. And I met a, a wonderful Catholic woman who um, was part of my search and eventually, not eventually, within six months of, of me meeting uh, meeting her and being on uh, on this search for truth, I was um, ready to be received into the Catholic Church. And so you weren't Catholic at that time. I was not. I was. Uh, what faith tradition did you come from? I was born and raised as a as a Methodist. I spent some time in the Episcopalian Church, and I would also church hop depending on what girl I was dating at the time. So you met her, and then six months later, you became Catholic. It was actually uh, it was actually a year, uh, just over a year after we started dating. But okay. there was a there was a, an extended process of of uh, me figuring out what I needed in my life as far as religion goes. Wow. And that was at about the beginning of my uh, my graduate school career. I was I was in the middle of graduate school. What did you major in in school? What? I have two degrees in history. Um, I studied specifically uh, American constitutional history, and it's interesting that uh, God called me into youth ministry. I had no plans to be a youth minister. Um, didn't so even you probably had, when you have a couple of degrees in history, are you going to be working for uh, Burger King? or No, where, no, no. Where do you apply my, that? my plan was to teach that was mean. Uh, in some capacity. I didn't know if I wanted to do it at the university level or the high school level. Um, so I just I, I started uh, I started looking for some jobs, 
Well, and you mentioned youth ministry. How did you get into youth ministry? You started looking for jobs, and I started looking for jobs. I had been on a job hunt for seven months, and without a single interview, without a single job uh, acceptance offer, and. I was engaged at this point to the same girl who had uh, walked with me on this journey, and I can feel I was, the pressure. Is I on was there. freaking out. <laughs> I really woman. was um, because I had no job, and all of a sudden, when the in the parish bulletin, I was Catholic by this point. In the parish bulletin, one day there was a, a job announcement for a parish youth minister, <laughs> and I said, "You know what? I'll let them tell me no too. I've been told no a hundred other times. We'll see where this goes." And and I applied. The pastor at the church, who is, is still my boss, um, called me in for the interview and liked what he saw. He called me two days later and offered the job to me. And it was just, it was very clear to me as I was developing a prayer life that that's what God wanted me to do. And that's been four years ago now. Wow. So it's great to hear that you actually you, you actually prayed on that decision. It's not something that you just entered into. Yes, uh, and, and to an extent, it was really just a prayer of desperation. It was... God, give me something. I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just show it to me. And it was uh, 20 minutes later that I got the phone call. So it was it was pretty clear. Hmm. So you obviously became a youth minister for the first time in your life. How old were you at the time? I was 23. I had just finished graduate school, like I said, and um, young and inexperienced at this at this this business. So what was it like the first time you stood in front of these? Uh, wide-eyed youth staring at you, uh, what was it like when you first got into it? I, I am very comfortable in front of people. I'm a, I'm a teacher. I've taught at the university level, and, and, and teaching is not the problem. The, the problem was that uh, I was doing too much teaching, and I was, not, I was not loving them and building relationships with them, which is necessary before my teaching can have any so credibility. So you were one of those sort of lecture-type absolutely uh, youth ministers. Absolutely. Now, how long did it take you to realize that wasn't what they were looking for? I'm still working on it. Oh, okay. Well, you've been doing it for how many years now? Four years. Four years. But I'm sure you've gotten a lot better, and you're much more engaging because I've heard some good things about you. Well, thank you. Uh, I, have, I have gotten better. I've noticed in the last year and a half or two years uh, that God has answered more prayers. My, my prayer over the last year and a half or two years has been uh, for him to give me a love of this work and a love of these teenagers that I never had before. And just in these last these last 18 months, the, the, the ministry that I'm in charge of has, has just blossomed because of that, that, that single prayer. Well, let's talk about now that you are a youth minister and you think that God has called you to this why do you think youth ministry is so important today? Why is that somewhere that someone needs to focus? Well, the youth are a vital part of the church today. It used to be that the youth were seen as as a group on the fringes of the church. We'll put them over, the, over here in the corner and we'll occupy them for four or eight or 20 years until they're ready to come back to the, to, to the practice of the faith. Uh, and be really involved as adults. And that's just not the case today. They have so many things that they're dealing with as teenagers that they need something solid in their lives to grasp onto. And, of course, the church has the most solid person to grasp onto in Jesus Christ. Is, is that you saying that, or is that the youth telling you that's what they need? It's a combination. It's The youth won't express it in those terms, right. but you can definitely tell that, that they will grasp onto anything that gives them surety 
that seems like truth, that seems like fulfillment. Um, and then the the trend overall in in youth ministry when we when you talk to the most experienced youth ministers, the people who go around to parishes around the country and do retreats, these are things that they recognize and bring back to the training seminars that I end up going to. Okay, you're talking about catechesis. You're talking right. about teaching these youth the truths that are expressed in scripture and, and, and in sacred tradition, you're trying to tell them basically from your perspective what the truth is based on what the church teaches. How do you make that engaging for them? In St. John Bosco had a, had a phrase, and he, of course, was the, uh, the, the priest who worked in Turin, Italy, with the poorest of the poor young boys, and his, his comment was, get them to love you and they'll do anything for you. And so I continually have to remember to engage these young people. First, I have to enter their world and build a relationship with them. I have to care about them first. There is nothing that I can say or nothing that I can do, no lecture that I can give that they're going to they're gonna see as valuable unless they see that I care about them. And then, of course, the first thing that I always teach, whether it's in my words or my actions, is the gospel message, the basic gospel message. Jesus Christ came for me. He died for me. He rose so that I might have everlasting life. And that, of course, affects the way that I live, the way that I act, the way that I treat other people. And when they see that, they're hooked. Well, this is great information, and uh, we are going to come back and finish up. We've got some more stuff to talk about with youth ministry and the direction it's going right now. But before we do that, I do want to remind folks at home that they can find us on the web. Where, Tom? www.thecatholiccafe.com. Thecatholiccafe.com. And on that website, you're going to find some great Catholic resources that they can find out more about the uh, Catholic Church. Uh, you can also find these shows. And uh, we also want to make sure that people know that they can email me at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com because I'd love to hear from you. And so we'll be back with this wonderful topic right after this. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. In Sydney, Australia, during World Youth Day 2008, Pope Benedict XVI challenged the youth of the world by saying, Dear young people, let me now ask you a question. How are you using the gifts you have been given, the power which the Holy Spirit is even now prepared to release within you? What legacy will you leave to the young people yet to come? What difference will you make? Today, many young people feel their lives devoid of meaning and purpose. They are constantly bombarded by moral, ethical, and spiritual challenges to their faith in Jesus and the teachings of the Church here on earth. But the Catholic Church has been steadfast in calling the youth of today and the youth of tomorrow to a deeper relationship with Christ and the true meaning of the Gospels. Every few years, the Church in her wisdom calls the youth of the world to an international gathering called World Youth Day. This global event is an opportunity for the church to spread the gospel's message of hope to the young, many of whom have no witness of hope in their own lives. Pope Benedict wrote to the youth of the world before World Youth Day 2008, 
do not be afraid to become holy missionaries like St. Francis Xavier, who traveled through the Far East, proclaiming the good news until every ounce of his strength was used up. Or like St. Therese of the Child Jesus, who was a missionary, even though she never left the Carmelite convent. He encouraged the young of the world to proclaim the gospel and to stand up for what they believe in. Be prepared to put your life on the line in order to enlighten the world with the truth of Christ, to respond with love to hatred and disregard for life, to proclaim the hope of the risen Christ in every corner of the earth. Pope Benedict wrote that many youth anxiously ask, how can we fit into a world marked by so many grave injustices and so much suffering? How should we react to the selfishness and violence that sometimes seem to prevail? How can we give full meaning to life? Benedict said, only the fruits of the Spirit, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control can fill this scarred and fragile world, the world of young people most of all. World Youth Day has been, and God willing, will continue to be, a blessing for the youth that attend. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. We're still sitting in the luxurious quarter booth. Tom Dorn, you doing okay? I am doing wonderful. So we're still with Derek Roddy. Derek, how are you doing? I'm doing well still. All right. Well, he's not doing wonderful. He's, he's doing not. well. No, that's okay. That's just not wrong. That's okay. Well, Derek, we're talking about youth ministry and the importance of youth ministry. And so what we want to do maybe is to look at what is the sort of state, as you would see it now, what's the state of youth ministry in the church? Well, the first thing that we always have to look at is is what are the youth dealing with? And we understand as youth ministers, or hopefully most youth ministers understand, that today's youth are dealing with problems that are similar to our own our own generation, but they are different in the number and they are worse, uh, or they are to a, a worse degree. Uh, things that I saw in college youth are now seeing in the early stages of high school and sometimes in middle school. So you think mm. things are getting worse. They have some of the same problems, but they're maybe either exacerbated or they're accelerated because of maybe the Absolutely. internet and, and because technology. of the, yeah, the culture around us is that's, that's one thing that I, that I make sure that I, I stay abreast of is, is the culture and what, what these teens are, are seeing and hearing on a, on a regular basis. Um, you know, youth ministers, as as part of their job, uh, sometimes end up having to watch MTV uh, just to see what's out there. I it feel really sorry is, for you. It, then, it really <laughs> is. <laughs> it's a it's a penance in itself. So, uh, and then the thing that that we go to is our, our general trends in youth ministry. And as I mentioned a couple times already, the general trend in youth ministry that's been prevailing over the last generation is what's called relational youth ministry. And that simply means that our first priority is to build relationships with these young people. Again, if, if we don't have a relationship with them and they don't see that we care about them, all the teachings, all the gospel proclamations are going to fall on deaf ears. After, well, how do you, well, how do you show that you care for them, though? Is it just words? I mean, you just 
telling people how much you love them, that God loves them, etc.? Uh, no, it really, for, for me, it, uh, it involves things as simple as uh, going into the, the local schools and, and having lunch with them, letting them tell me about their, their um, high score on Halo or whatever computer game they're playing these days, uh, being seen at some of the local high school football games, entering into their world, even though it's totally awkward for me. I'm the weird old guy in the corner who all the students are looking at. <laughs> They see that I am making an effort, and 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 when 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 young people see that adults are making an effort to to be a part of their world, it brings credibility, and then that's the opening door. There, that's the door that is open for me to announce the gospel message in in words, but especially in deeds, like we mentioned earlier. And once they've been evangelized, they. Are, are willing to um, they're willing to engage in retreat experiences they're willing to come to that Bible study that they wouldn't have thought of six weeks ago or six months ago and, and that's, that's really all based on the the credibility of the witness they look at you and they go well okay I'll go to a Bible study with this guy right whereas I wouldn't go with somebody who Really, I'm not sure. Really likes me, you know what I'm. Absolutely, it's not about what I'm about. That kind of thing. So Absolutely. you're connecting with them in a way that they understand. Yes. Well, and I'm glad uh, for myself, and I have kids, and I think it's great that there are people like you that are willing to do that because I would see that as a challenge. Not everyone is called to that. That's right. How do we determine whether or not we're called to? You yourself didn't think you were necessarily called That's to youth right. ministry, but here you are, and you're flourishing in that youth ministry. How do we look at? our different callings and our different charisms? It, it's definitely a matter for prayer. Uh, the first thing that I always tell my youth when, when they talk about, I don't know what gifts I have, I say, well, there, there are two really good indicators. One is to just sit down with in silence with God and, and think and pray about what makes you feel most alive. I feel most alive when I am writing a great catechetical essay. Like that, I just I know that writing is one of my gifts. You're a real party animal, Derek. That's great to know that so much about you. <laughs> I know. This is wonderful. And the other thing that I tell them is to listen to the words of others. Do other people tell you that you're really good at something that builds up the that's, kingdom? That's true. And and I have I have them ask me, well, you know, what you know, does that mean you have to do something you know, does that mean everybody who's got a charism or a vocation works for the church? And absolutely not. You know, I tell them plenty of stories about, um, for example, music ministers. The music minister at our parish is um, is only employed part-time by the parish. He sells ink to support his family, but his charism is music, and he does that to build up the kingdom of God. So, um, and and we definitely... Uh, one of the, one of the main goals of of my ministry is to help the young people recognize some of these gifts that they have, so that there's a there is less of a likelihood of them straying from the church during their college years and their young adult years, because if they can if they can tap into that gift that God's given to them, and they realize the church needs me to use this gift, no matter what age I am, they're they're more likely to feel alive and they're more likely to feel needed. They have ownership of their faith. One of the things that I encounter a lot in my ministry as a deacon is I meet up with people that are poorly catechized, that have no idea what the church teaches, not only youth, but especially adults. Absolutely. And obviously I think what you're thinking in terms of youth ministry is if we can 
if we can start to reach these people at younger ages, that's right. That they grow in the faith. That's right. And there is no, there's no gap between uh, the point where they made their confirmation and the point where they come back to to receive the sacrament of matrimony or to have their child baptized. That we want one seamless garment of lifelong faith formation. That's that's awesome, and that's definitely a great plan to have. And I and I wish you the best of luck and the and the best of blessings in, in making that come about. Obviously, you're being helped in the church right now. There's some that's great right. stuff going on in in, in our church. Uh, I, I think I call to mind you know World Youth Day and how successful that's been. Tell us about some of these great things that are going on. I tell you what, there is so much that the church is doing for young people. Uh, the first and foremost thing that the church provides for all of us, not just for young people, is uh, are the sacraments. And, of course, the, that sacramental grace is what's always going to lead us into holiness. But there are some, some wonderful things, some wonderful initiatives that have been begun since the pontificate of Pope John Paul II and continue into the pontificate of Benedict XVI that are causing an explosion of faithfulness and energy in the church, especially among young people. We look at the World Youth Days. I was in Sydney, Australia in 2008, and to be at Mass with 600,000 other people is an unbelievable experience. And to receive... Not only just 600,000 people, but young people and people who are fired up. That's right. They are on fire. They are passionate. Um... And then there was, uh, we received catechesis from the bishops. We saw concerts, and there was just this whole air of people seeking to be a part of something that was greater than themselves. And clearly, clearly, we were. Things that happened stateside. Um, there are some wonderful training opportunities for youth ministers uh, to be able to bring these trends and these truths to youth. Uh, But then there are conferences for youth that are taking place all over the country throughout the summers. Uh, There are work camps, service opportunities that allow youth to experience their faith in a vibrant, energetic, and exciting way that sometimes hasn't always been the case in in recent memory in the Catholic Church. You know, the, the, the common complaint that we hear is Mass is boring. And, you know, there's something to be said for giving a youth an experience of an upbeat Mass to lead them into a better understanding of what the Mass really is so that mm-hmm. they never say Mass is boring ever mm-hmm. again because Mass is the least boring thing that ever happens on the face of the earth. Um, you know, these, these service camps where the first thing that the youth do and they receive in the mornings is is a message from the Word of God. And they receive praise and worship music so that they're energized for the day. And then they go out and they live our baptismal call by serving the poorest of the poor among us. Right? I was in a, at a work camp in St. Louis, Missouri several years back. And each night the youth were asked where did you see God working today? And nine times out of ten, they would say, I saw God working through this woman whose house I was painting. I saw God working through this group of people I was serving with. And there are all kinds of these types of experiences that are going on throughout the country. And what it, uh, what it is bringing, again, is, is energy. It's this dynamic new aspect to Catholicism. That's wonderful. Now, if you were to... Um, 
not long ago, I think one of the, in fact, I think I'm a John Paul II might have said, if you want to look at the church of the future, that you need to look today at the youth today to get an idea of what the church is going to be like. So whatever the state of the youth is now That's right. is where you're going to be 20 years from now. That's right. So what is the state of the youth today in terms of our church? Do you see a lot of hope and promise there? I do. I see so much hope. That, you know, I have a I have a limited scope. I'm a parish youth minister and I work closely with uh with some of the diocesan youth ministry functions. And again, it's it's this energy, it's this um readiness to accept truth. This this hunger for truth and you know well, you know that's an interesting thing and that's something that we need to focus on. A lot of times people think that you've got to dumb things down for youth that you've got to strip things away that you've got to make it it's got to rhyme it's got to have some kind of beat to it otherwise they're never going to get this idea of the truth and maybe even they'll they'll say well they don't need to know all of the truth they just need to know that God loves them and that's enough for them but that's not really my sense is that they need. They are wise beyond their years, as I've said before, and they are ready for the truth. They are hungry for the truth. They really they don't are. want lies. You know, I have a I have a, a two year old son, and he, uh, you know, he he opens his mouth so that I can put some some solid food in his mouth. And these youth are are standing here figuratively with their with their mouths open, waiting for solid food. And as I can attest in my personal story, the Catholic Church has the richest, the solidest food that there is to offer. The bread of life. Right. Wonderful. And, you know, um, if you look at youth today, that we have not only an explosion of of energy coming from our youth through the World Youth Day and and some of these other programs. We had a program on Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students and their campus ministries. And there is also an explosion of, of vocations, of the fruitfulness of all of this fire. That's right. And and. In, in our diocese, we are very blessed to have just ordained uh, six men this year, and there are more on the way. And we're, it, this, this new energy, this solid food that we're, we are feeding to these young people is, is breathing new life into the church. It's this new springtime of, an, of evangelization that Pope John Paul II called for several years ago. Well, Jesus promised that the gates of hell would never prevail against the church, so we know the church is going to live on, and we're happy to know that there are people like you, Derek Roddy, who are helping our youth along to keep them fired up and keep them going in the right direction. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Tom, we got to rate this show. We do. I, you know, on a scale of zero to 17 and a half, I'd give it a 17 and a half. 17 and a half. Right. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Derek. You're welcome. Good job. Uh, let's, uh, so let's now let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, your Son Jesus built his church on the rock of St. Peter, and he intended that it should last forever. Help the young people in our world realize the great potential you see in them, and lead them to see that they are truly the future of that church. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at The Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.